Good morning everybody. I'm Snigdha Sharma. I'm going to present the Hindu editorial dated 6th October 2020. This podcast is for those who do not have time to read newspaper themselves. Let's get started. Happy preparation. Hi guys the first article of the day is farm acts unwanted constitutional adventurism this article is written by r ramakumar the passage of the three farm acts by parliament has led to a constitutional debate these acts are the farmers produce trade and commerce in bracket promotion and facilitation act 2020 second one is the farmers Empowerment and Protection Agreement on Price Assurance and Farm Services Act 2020 and third is Essential Commodities Amendment Act 2020 Does the union government have the authority to de- legislate on what are the rightfully the affairs of the state Many states have questioned the constitutional validity of the Farms Act and are reportedly exploring legal options The issue Agriculture is a state subject in the constitution listed as entry 14 in the state list that is second list this apart entry 26 in the list second refers to trade and commerce within the state entry 27 refers to production supply and distribution of goods and entry 28 refers to markets and fairs for these reason intrastate marketing in agriculture was always considered a legislative prerogative of states seen in the perspective parliament's passage of the farms bill was an extraordinary step for this purpose the central government invoked entry 33 in the concurrent list that is list 3 entry 26 and 27 in list 2 are listed as subject to the provision of entry 33 of list 3 in entry 33 is the following trade and commerce in and the production supply and distribution of a the products of any industry where the control of such industry by the union is declared by parliament by law to be expedient in the public interest and the imported goods of the same kind as such products B is food stuff including edible oil seeds oil seeds and oils C is cattle for fodder including oil cakes and other concentrates D is raw cotton whether ginned or unginned and cotton seeds and E is raw jute The amendment and dissent entry 33 in its present form was inserted in list 3 through the constitutional 3rd amendment act 1954 that its import was significant is clear in the heated constitutional debate around the amendment after tabling in the house the constitutional third amendment bill was referred to a joint committee in the joint committee there was severe opposition to the bill from seven members nc chatterjee ks raghavachari a krishnaswami parvati krishnan bimal Kumar Ghosh, V. Venkatar Ramana, and the Hari Chandra Mathur. In the final report, these members also wrote an important note of dissent. The contention of the dissent was the following: 
As per Article 369 in the original version of the Constitution, the responsibility of agricultural trade and commerce within a state was temporarily entrusted to the Union government for a period of five years beginning from 1950. The 1954 amendment attempted to change this into a permanent feature in the Constitution. But according to the dissenting members, the constitution makers did not desire to place matters enumerated in Article 369 in the concurrent list. If indeed they were placed in the list third, state autonomy would be rendered illusionary and state powers and rights would be progressively pulverized and the legislative authority of state legislature is pro tanto abrogated. As a result, the amendment would be permanently depriving the state legislature their legislative judgment in respect of certain vital matters. Parliament discussed the bill in September 1954. In his opening speech, Minister for Commerce and Industry T.T. Krishnamachari clarified that the amendment was required because many states were deficit in food production and the center had to safeguard the interest of the weaker units in the union. His point was that in in it was the adverse food situation in the country that necessitated the amendment but many eminent opposition members were not impressed and pointed to the spirit of the dissent note in their eloquent elaborations ashoka mehta and kk basu argued that states such as bihar bombay travancochin and assam had explicitly opposed the bill Basu said that Article 369 was retained as a temporary feature in the constitution because the situation in the country, that is after 1947, was abnormal and the food situation was very bad. But the constitution makers knew that the situation would return to normal in a few years. That was why they did not waste the listed powers with the center for more than five years. Hence, its con- conversion into a permanent provision was unwarranted. Ashoka Mehta warned that if the center truly wanted control on trade and commerce in states, then over time it would also want to have control over crop planning and cultivation. Thus, the bill would lead to an expanding encroachment on the rights of the states. a progressive erosion of the state powers and the possibility of sidestepping of democratic processes according to the kk basu passage of the bill would transform the indian constitution into a unitary constitution instead of a federal constitution and reduce all the state's power into municipal powers a reactionary legislation was being introduced as an innocuous piece of legislation notwithstanding the strong dissenting voices the bill was passed but history appears to have proven the dissenters right in september 2020 the same entry 33 was invoked to assert the same powers of the state that the dissenters feared would be taken away what the judiciary said in many of its judgments 
after 1954 the supreme court of india has upheld the legislative powers of state in intra state agricultural marketing most notable was the ruling of the five judge constitution bench in the itc limited versus agricultural produce market committee apmc and others 2002 the tobacco board act 1975 had brought the development of the tobacco industry under the center however bihar's apmc act continued to list tobacco as an agricultural produce in this case the question was if the apmc was monghar could charge a levy le, could charge a levy on itc for the purchase of unprocessed tobacco leaves from growers an earlier judgment has held that the state apc act will be repugnant to the central act and hence was ultra virus but the constitution bench upheld the validity of the state apmc act and ruled that a market fees can be charged from itc under the state apmc act b state laws become repugnant only if the state and center enact laws on the same subject matters under an entry in the list third and c in those cases outside list third one has to first examine if the subject matter was an exclusive entry under list one or list two and only after determining this can one decide on the dominant legislation that would prevail in the case of the farms act of 2020 the applicable points are a and c with regard to a state could continue to charge mandi taxes from private markets anywhere in the notified area regardless of the center act with regards to c the state legislations should prevail as agriculture is an exclusive subject matter entry 14 in the list second in summary first it was unwise on the part of the center to use entry 33 in the list third to push the farm bills such adventurism weakens the spirit of federal cooperation that india needs in this hour of crisis second agriculture is exclusively a state subject everything that is ancillary or subsidiary to an exclusive subject in list 2 should also fall under the exclusive legislative purviews of states most importantly entry 28 in list 2 that is markets and fairs is not subject to entry 33 in list 3 in short there appears to be a strong case to reasonably argue that the farm acts have poor legal validity if not being outrightly unconstitutional r ramakumar is a professor tata institute of social sciences mumbai with this we are done with our first passage of the day thank you and happy preparation hi guys we are moving towards the second article of the day that is reimagining education in an india at 100 this article is written by debash debashis chatterjee After 34 years India rekindled the conversation on its national educational policy in 
A policy is as good as it is actualized in practice and it would be ideal to explore the contours of national education practices leading to 2047 when politically independent India becomes 100 years old. From a teacher's perspective, the next education practices can be viewed through the following five designs principle. To excel is key. Autonomy. Currently, the clamor for autonomy in education practices is a mixed bag of pretentious idealism and hard-nosed practicality. The Indian Institute of Management IIM Bill 2017 granting autonomy to the IIMs has now become an act. In helming a first-generation IIM for two terms, one has seen no dramatic variations in the nature of autonomy of the IIMs. The reason for this is that the IIMs, as indeed the India, the Indian Institutes of Technologies, have been performing institutions with robust self-correcting systems. The greatest insurance for autonomy is excellence in students' outcomes rather than a piece of legislation. As long as institutions continue to excel, they will earn their autonomy through social, community and citizen sanctions. Legislations may help. However, institutions and institutional leaders who are trained for blind conformity will find exercise of autonomy rather difficult even the law is on their side. In practice, autonomy cannot be defined by entitlement nor limited by unlawful encroachment. Mere assumptions of autonomy does not ensure exercise of autonomy. By 2047, autonomy has to be imbibed as an institutional culture rather than a personal percusite of vice-chancellor. Principal or a director There will be autonomy in teaching methods, autonomy of the learner in creating her own curriculum, autonomy of thought and self-governance that is Svayatitat. Technology Rich Settings Learning in 2047, 6 billion people in the world would constitute the middle class. With little money but with enormous hunger for learning, they will define the learner base for a networked global university system. Technology will proliferate intelligence from hardware to software to everywhere. Smart schools and smart classes may soon morph to smart chains and smart desks. Intelligence can be embedded into everything. Smart chairs will have sensors to map the flow of attention in the classroom. On the other hand, the intangibles of the teaching-learning process such as creativity, mentorship, and facilitation of learning will give birth to the quest of, for mastery. Teachers will evolve from ringmasters to zen masters, raising awareness rather than delivering content. The four core tasks of the university, creation, dissemination, accreditation, and monetization of knowledge will require a sweet synthesis of algorithm and altruism. Learning will involve mobilization of knowledge for a specific person, is a specific context to face specific challenges or problems. In the ultimate analysis, learning will be about propagation of crucial questions rather than predetermined answer. 
Pressure of performance will have to coexist with the pleasure and ecstasy of learning. Anand. Coherence across fields. Transdisciplinary. The new national educational policy roots for multidisciplinary institutions rather than stand-alone schools. Multidisciplinarity in involves experts from different disciplines working together, each drawing on their unique disciplinary knowledge. In a world that is going to be more complex and volatile, expertise from multiple disciplines will be required to construct an understanding of the real-life problems we will face. The challenges that COVID-19 has thrown before us require medical scientists, economists, historians, architects, health workers and political scientists and more experts to bring their disciplinary depth to the, to the table. Frequent flooding of our facility of our cities is at once an urban planning issue, an engineering issue, environmental issue, public health issue and of course a political issue that requires many diverse fields to create an understanding of the nature of the problem and solution. However, by 2047, transdisciplinary uh, disciplinarity rather than multidisciplinarity will be the norm. Transdisciplinarity is about creating a coherence of intellectual frameworks beyond the disciplinary perspectives. Knowledge in 2047 will move from discipline-based units to the unity of meaning and understanding. The reductionist knowledge of the West that explains the whole as a sum of parts will yield space to the quest for the parts less whole that the rishis of the Upanishads described as Purana Purnatva. School as a connect, connecting hub. Technology innovation. Technology-led innovation will take learning from cognition to immersion. The con- content of knowledge has evolved from text that, that had to be cognized to include visual, audio, and tactile immersive experiences. Traditionally, students of fresh professional courses learned through field and factory visits. Today, it is possible for a factory experience to be stimulated in a classroom. A leading global engineering company, ABB, is uh, using virtual reality to stimulate a factory experience inside a school. A classroom will not be a place but a space. In 2047, school will not be a brick and mortar house but a connecting hub that will digitally decode, deliver and disperse knowledge. Disruptive innovation will enable technology to give greater access to hitherto exclusive knowledge and fulfill unmet learner needs. A vice chancellor's office will look a lot more like a tech studio. Technology will not be cosmetic add-on but serve a strategic purpose. Leading schools of the world will harness talent and technology seamlessly, nurturing minds with values values, mindset, and culture. By 2047, Indian teachers will be engaged in nurturing global mindsets based on three classical values of India. Satyam, that is authenticity, Nityam, that is sustainability, and Purnam, that is wholeness. Mindset will be based on how learners receive information and not what information they receive on how to think rather than what to think. Education 
is finally about creating and sustaining wholesome cultures rather than serving the templates of outmoded civilization the post colonial indian education system has managed to create a mindsets of clerks and coders and imitators to serve a civilization that bets on material value of exploitation of nature and increasing consumption while civilization is about what we acquire culture is concerned with who we become the most valuable outcome of education is the becoming of a competent and com- compassionate human being in 2047 a teacher's role will be to midwife this transformative rebirth of citizens to a great nation devashish chatterjee is the author of timeless leadership and the director of iim cozy code with this we end the session thank you all and happy preparation